Julie. Hi, Christine. How are you? This is, I'm fantastic. This is our 50th episode. We're 50. Our 50. Yes. Our podcast is 50 years old. Five, zero, not years, 50 episodes. Five, zero. So yeah, I think that's something to celebrate. Yes, it is. Let's party. Let's tell the melomaniacs. Let's do this. First of all, some of you might just be joining Mm -hmm. us. And I I think it'd be a good idea if we just kind of clue some people in to some of the stuff we do. Love it. So melomaniacs is what we call our listeners. And that is because, Julie, tell the audience. Melomaniacs is basically an adjective to describe people who love and obsess over music. I think it's a noun. It is a noun. I don't know why I said adjective. Well, adjective describe, it's a description of people. No, it's the person. Like you are a melomaniac. Oh, not like I am the act of being a melomaniac. Wait. That would be like melomaniacy would be an adjective. <laughs> Melomania? Melomania would also be a noun. Okay, anyway, y'all that are listening are melomaniacs. That's, we established that like on episode <laughs> one or two. I think it was one. I think it was very beginning. Um, mm-hmm. We do a thing called Today Years Old. So you'll hear us do that where like something, we learn something every day. And um, when we do it Today Years Old, it just shows you how dumb both of us actually are, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it definitely is. A, it's an opportunity for people to really like, I don't know have more ammo to make fun of us, but we, to, we, we make fun of ourselves on enough as it is. So it's fine. Maybe it allows people to relate to us. Cause we're just normal people. That's better. I uh, spent the weekend we'll with, with some friends and I'll talk about that in another episode, but I made a list of all of the today years olds. Cause they kept talking about shit. I didn't know. So I'll talk about those. Next I love time. it. Okay. So we also talk about bathroom on the right. You might hear us say, Oh, that's a bathroom on the right. What is that? What is that? When you miss, when you mishear the lyrics, some people might call it a, um, what's another one that's famous? Kiss the sky or kiss this guy. You know, when you miss. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse Excuse me while I kiss the sky. Yeah. There's a bathroom on the right comes from, um, uh, that's what my wife, Dana, always thought they were saying in the song. There's a bad moon on the rise. There's a bad moon on the right. There's a bathroom on the right. Exactly. Okay. So I'm Christine and uh, Julie is my sister. So if you guys, I actually ran into somebody a couple weeks ago that listened to the podcast that said they couldn't tell what our relationship was. Isn't that weird? Oh, oh, that is weird. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. We're sisters. That's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm Christine that makes is, me think, yeah, not weird. I guess that, that we're buddies or pals or no, we're sisters. Uh, we come from too. a family of six children and I am the second and Julie is fifth and we are eight years apart. Anything You're the else? second born and I'm the second to last. Ooh, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yep. Anything else? Oh, uh, we have an Instagram. We have a face back, face back. We have a face back page. 
Jesus. Okay. Um, and you can, back. Like, you can like us or follow us or do whatever. We have a Tic Tac. I mean, it's that, is that we what you call the Tic Tac? Tic Tac? We have a TikTok that I don't use. I'm going to start using it. So follow us, follow our stuff, give us a rating, give us five stars, tell your friends, tell your enemies. And here's the most important Hello, thing y'all need to know. This is a podcast where we're mm-hmm. talking about songs. We talk about the lyrics of those songs. And we talk about what those lyrics might mean, what they mean to us, what they mean to other people. And then we get down and dirty and talk about what they really, really mean. And we take turns having a song and I have a song. I cannot wait to hear what your song is. I decided for the 50th episode to go big. (gasps) Okay. Big, like really big. Like, I think this is, I can't think of a better word for except big. Like this is a humongous song in every stretch of your imagination. It is a humongous song. What do you think? It, does that make you think of anything? Like a big, bold, full of musical genius, yes. lyrical of, genius. I know um, you're totally putting me on the spot and I know you're trying to mess with me and I'm diving deep, deep, deep. And I can't think big, big, big. Melmaniacs, do you know what she's trying to get at? Like big. Uh, The song is from 1975. And it is by a band by the name of Queen. Are you doing Bohemian Rhapsody? I'm doing Bohemian fucking Rhapsody, girl. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. That's big. Y'all, this is big. Exactly. This is big. I gotta take off my sweater. I started to get sweaty. Yeah, I need to get cozy. Okay, y'all, strap on your seatbelts. Oh, that sounded I don't think that's right. (laughs) Buckle your seatbelts. Lord have mercy. Uh, Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy, I need no sympathy because I'm easy come, easy go, little high, little low. Any way the wind blows doesn't really matter to me. Mama just killed a man, put a gun against his head, pulled my trigger, now he's dead. Mama. Life has just begun, but now I've gone and thrown it all away. Mama didn't mean to make you cry. If I'm not back again this time tomorrow, carry on, carry on as if nothing really matters. Too late, my time has come. Send shivers down my spine, bodies aching all the time. Goodbye, everybody. I gotta go. I gotta leave you all behind and face the truth. Mama, I don't want to die. I sometimes wish I'd never been born at all. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramooch, Scaramooch, will you do the Fandango? Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, 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 Figaro, Magnifico. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. 
He's just a poor boy from a poor family, sparing his life for this monstrosity. Easy come, easy go. Will you let me go? Bismillah, no, we will not let you go. We will not let you go. No, no, no. Oh, mama mia, mama mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me, for me. So you think you can stop me and spit in my eye? So you think you can love me and leave me to die? Oh, baby, can't do this to me, baby. I just got to get out. I just got to get out. I just got to get right out of here. Nothing really matters. Anyone can see. Nothing really matters to me. Anyway, the wind blows. If I'm not back in this time tomorrow. It is impossible to listen to you read those lyrics and to read them without wanting to sing it. And is it odd that I didn't even need to pull up the lyrics? I just, I mean, actually I probably should have because some of the words were bathroom on the right, but I just was like, yeah, I know all, I know every lyric to this song. Do you know why you know every lyric to this song? Yes, because one of my favorite movies growing up was Wayne's World. Okay, I'm going to make a confession, and I think that you might have the same confession. I was born in 1972, Mm -hmm. okay, guys? My parents weren't listening to cool music when I was little, okay? My parents were Barry Manilow and Neil Diamond kind of folks. No shade, mom and dad but they were not listening to Queen. The first time I heard this song in its entirety was on Wayne's World, and I'm real sorry. Yeah, that's my confession too. That's my truth. We have the same truth. I mm-hmm. thought it might be, but yeah. I was eight years older than you and hearing it for the first time in Wayne's World. I'm real ashamed. You should have less shame. Yeah, just a little bit. I do have a little bit of shame because I didn't know Stairway to Heaven. Like there's a part in the movie where they're like, no stairway to heaven. And I'm like, what stairway to heaven? And my brother, one of the brothers told us, like one of our brothers was like, oh, it's a song. I'm like, oh. And we need to cover that because there really is a rule. So I think there really is a rule in guitar stores that you can't go in and play it. Really? Maybe it came from Wings World. (laughs) That's funny. I don't know which came first. Okay, we will have to touch on that. There's a million- We'll put a pin in that. Yeah, there's a lot of people listening that know and they're like, God, you guys are idiots. You don't know. Well, I'm sorry. We don't know. Okay, okay. We don't know. All righty. We're not idiots. Julia, just- Yes. What do you think about this song? So I've always thought that it was about, you know, this guy, this narrator is- going in it is in a dark place and he's like you know I don't have much will to live mama I'm going I can't I can't do this maybe borderline suicidal and then his friends are like you can't go we're not gonna let you go you gotta stay there's more to life than this and you know anywhere the wind blows it's gonna suck but we're still you you can't go you're, we're not gonna let you go this is your life and you're supposed to be living this life and you're we're not gonna let you go on your own that's always been my my take of it I love that oh well thank you I I, used to think that the whole like let me go let me go let me go I used to think that that was like just like a goofy thing like when I first saw it you know in Wayne's world and then I actually listened to the song and I thought oh no they're trying to keep him from peacing out on the world 
so yeah that's always that's that's what i think it's about in the song they're they're doing two voices someone says let me go and the other one goes will not let you go another one says let me go so that makes total sense there's like the soul vocalist saying let me go and then the group of vocalists saying no we won't let you go so that is a fantastic mm -hmm. idea that is coming not just from the lyric but the way they sing it that's ge that's genius yeah Oh, well, thanks. I don't think I should say thank you, but I'll go with that. Did I, Mel Maniacs, did you, do you guys kind of see, did anybody else? Let's pull the audience. Did anybody else kind of get that vibe from this song? Or is it just me? I guess the main question is, am I wrong? Well, yes and no. We know very, very little because Freddie Mercury, who was the lead singer of Queen and who wrote this song completely in its entirety, all on his own, um, never really told what this song was about. So let's mm. get into what we do now, shall we? Yes. This is a song from Queen's fourth album, which was called A Night at the Opera, which is an interesting title, as you'll see when we get into this. And it came out in 1975. It has an intro, a ballad, an operatic passage, a hard rock part, and a reflective coda, C-O-D-A. Well, gosh, darn it. I didn't look up what coda is. <laughs> Melomaniacs. We're going to discover what coda is in real time. <laughs> yes, here we go. Um, coda in music. It is. It comes from the Latin word cauda, which means tail. It's a passage at the end of a piece that brings the song to a close. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. So it uh -huh. has that. So it has a lot of different, you know, musical things, <laughs> sections. <laughs> oh gosh. We often talk about the 500 greatest songs of all time, which Rolling Stone put out. Take a wild guess where this one landed. I'm going to tell you that it is in the top 100. I'm going to narrow it down to 100. Where do you think this song might have oh, landed? I was going to say, I think it's easily in the top 10, maybe Ooh. even five. Very good guess. It is 17, number 17. Of really? The greatest songs of all time. Yeah, number 17. Rolling Stone also rated it the best vocal performance in rock history ever. Yeah. 17th best song, number one best vocal performance. Mm -hmm. Eddie Mercury, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a queen. It is said that Freddie Mercury was playing the piano, stopped and said, and this is where the opera section came in or comes in. This is where the opera section is going to come in. And then he walked out the door and went to have dinner. <laughs> so he, he, he did write this in sections. Uh-huh. He had a piano that he used as a headboard on his bed. When he woke up in the middle of the night, he would just turn around on the bed and play. And it, it was on this headboard piano that he wrote Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah, isn't that lovely? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lovely. So there has been speculation. I just want to say that unfortunately, Freddie Mercury died of HIV and AIDS in 1991. And people have speculated that this song is about his struggle with AIDS. That is not true because he wrote it in 75 and he passed away in 91. Um, 
I can see some lines in here that may seem that way. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to go on or something about, you know, like sort of some death mentions, but that is not the case. However, people have theorized that it does have to do with him having to stay closeted about his sexuality. Yeah. The band has remained protective of the song's secret. Brian May, who is a member of Queen, said that the song contained veiled references to Mercury's personal traumas. He said Freddie was a very complex person, flippant and funny on the surface, but he concealed insecurity and problems in squaring up his life with his childhood. He never explained these lyrics, but he put a lot of himself into the song. May, though, did say that the band agreed that the core of the song was a private issue for the composer. Now, wow. Roger Taylor, a music critic for, and not for NPR, where to go, for the BBC, said that the true meaning of the song is fairly self-explanatory with just a bit of nonsense in the middle. I don't know if I would go that far. Yeah. I don't know if it's completely self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. Let's look at, let's, let's, uh, let me ask you a couple of questions about them. Let me go up. I, I am going to, to talk about all the words that we don't understand in a minute. So outside of the words we don't understand, I mean, like Scaramouche, Figaro, all those. Outside of those words, outside of those words, I feel like this first stanza is very mm -hmm. clear. It's very poetic. What do you think? I like the caught in the landslide, landslide, you know, escape mm -hmm. from reality. Do you feel like that's the first stanza is like pretty poetic and, and easy to understand? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Now, when we get to the mama just killed a man, put a gun, gun against his head, pulled my trigger, now he's dead. Some have theorized that this is staying in line with this theory that it's about Freddie Mercury's sexuality is that he had to suppress his sexuality and it was so difficult for him that it was like a part of him died. When he became mm -hmm. famous, he mm -hmm. was forced to kill the real him so some have speculated that this just killed a man is really a metaphor for killing a part of himself that he couldn't express that is very telling i think that actually makes sense and from what i remember from the movie that they did about him he even continued a relationship with his partner a female partner under kind of like this like they kind of both were in the know that like this is you're my best friend and I love you we're going to continue this relationship but really we're not in this relation like because she knew the truth he knew his truth but they kept living this life because he was famous and it wasn't okay to be gay so when you it makes sense yeah when he does come out you know yeah he, in the way he killed a man he killed his old self uh so yes Freddie Mercury was in a 12-year a, a relationship um, with a woman named Mary Austin. And at some point it's believed, you know, that at some point in their relationship, she knew that he was not straight. His sexuality was maybe fluid. I don't know exactly how he identified. So I don't mm -hmm. want to put words in his mouth, but 
she did know and they maintained a relationship. And then finally, at some point they did split up, but yeah, he also had a long-term relationship with somebody named John who kind of, they still, he's Freddie Mercury still, even though John is with him for lots of events or sharing his home with him, Freddie Mercury still was not overtly out with that partner. It just seemed like something he never really could come to terms with. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't put those words in his mouth. It seemed like something that he was so very private about. I have an article here from a woman named Leslie Ann Jones, and she interviewed him a couple times. Okay, so she asked him, she said, I think that what's behind this song is, is your sexuality. And she says this, he did not say a word. He looked even more perplexed when I asked him about the song's inspiration. I suggested in so many words that it was a thickly disguised confession about his sexual orientation. Having been raised in a close, intensely religious community, he, his family adhered to a monotheistic religion called Zoroastrianism, which dated back to the sixth century. I know, today years old, I don't know what that is. Me neither. So this religion what? dated back to 6th century Persia, which is modern day Iran. Freddie had never been at liberty to live a publicly flamboyant lifestyle. Not only would this have offended his parents, but their religion does not recognize homosexuality. He was never able to live openly as a gay man. He shared his life for seven years with devoted girlfriend, Mary Austin. Sorry, I thought it was 12. Before admitting to her that he thought he might be bisexual. And Mary said to him, no, I think you're actually gay. So from then on, apart from a brief affair with a German actress named Barbara Valentin in 1984, he had sexual relationships with men, but still kept those very private. And he was also very private about his eventual HIV diagnosis. Now, it is said also, this same author, Leslie Jones, says that she had a conversation with one of the band members uh, this is after Freddie Mercury died. And he said, you were right about Bohemian Rhapsody. Freddie was never going to admit it publicly, of course, because he always had to carry on a charade about being straight for his family. But we did discuss it on numerous mm. occasions. Bohemian Rhapsody was Freddie's confessional. It was about how different his life could have been and how much happier he might have been had he just been able to be himself for the entirety of his life. The world heard this song as a masterpiece of great imagination. It has remarkable tapestry. Mm. It was so intricate and had so many layers, but the message was simple, even though hidden. Just as the management of the band and all of us in his life never admitted that Freddie was even ill, not even until the day before he died, because it was his business, he felt the same about the song. Oh, So if you go again, I'm like, I also want to say, because I think we didn't do this. I'm going to just, I have a couple things to say. First, I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, I heart my wife. And I think my wife gave it to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, okay. I, I, uh, yeah, that's how it works. Um, I don't think we talked much about this after the Roe v. Wade thing happened. 
because we don't we didn't want to get too political, but there's some things in the Roe v. Wade decision that put gay marriage at risk. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of te- I think it just kind of struck a chord with me reading this about Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. He probably lived his life never thinking that gay marriage would happen. Yeah. I mean, I lived my whole life thinking gay marriage would ha- never happen. What right. about you? Did you ever think that would happen? Um, no. Mm-mm. I thought maybe like our children or our children's children, maybe, but I never thought it would. No. Mm-mm. I think I always just anticipated that. Yeah. No, but none of my, you know, you know, peers or any of the people that I was close to that had a same sex partner would ever call them wife or husband. It would always just be my girlfriend or boyfriend or um, partner or anything like that. So yeah, I never thought that it would happen, but it is, it does to bring, to, to kind of, you know, piggyback off what you said, how, you know, we never really talked about it because we try not to get political. It's hard for me to look, I, this is my sound ignorant, but it's hard for me to look at this issue as being something that needs to be political. The fact that it's political is just mind boggling to me. <laughs> like the fact that we are talking about people's actual livelihood and their, who, their, their bodies. Um, and then you're, I just can't wrap my head around it. The fact that we have to vote and it's in the Supreme Court for something that it doesn't have to be as complicated as it is. And it's, it's always going to be complicated. It's never going to be simple. And there's always, we're all, everyone is always going to have these conflicting issues. We might get some major hate for this, but I think it's, I think it's just ass backwards. I think that it's just ridiculous. You can edit that if you need to. No, no. I feel I like, um, I feel a couple Sorry. things first. It's difficult to, to be alive right now and to have these conversations between you and I and not bring it up. It's difficult when any kind of song that we're analyzing touches on this. I mean, um, you did, you were talking about Lord and how she appeared at this music fest and all these women got up and did a lot of very um, overt protests against the Roe v. Wade decision. So it is pertinent between to us as women, it's pertinent to us as people on the LG BTQIA spectrum and just as human beings, it's important to us. And then when we talk about a song, you know, we're not, we're not here for popularity contest. So I totally, I think we're totally fine to say what we're saying. Yeah. Can't if you want. To. Yeah. Um, Roe v, overturning Roe v. Wade is, is devastating. And the decision is even more devastating if you read it, because it, it really does say that women do not have the rights that we think we have. And it goes on to say that, um, gay marriage and sexual relationships between gay people is also on the chopping block. So if we think about this song being about him hiding his sexuality, this is a man who in 1975 never thought he could be who he wanted to be. He expressed himself very much so on stage, but you know, so did David Bowie. So did a lot of people that were kind of like, you know, it was okay to be quote, a freak, and I use that word, you know, with support on stage, but you still, you still had to walk the line in your personal life. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wonder if this song is kind of about what it's like to be famous. I kind of feel some 
hey, if I was just a normal guy, maybe my sexuality wouldn't be such a big deal. But he's like, is this real life? Is this really happening? Like I'm famous. I'm caught in a lad slide. I can't get away from it. Like I am who I am. I, right. I don't need any sympathy. I'm easy come easy go. Like I'm cool. I can like roll with the tides, but mama, you know, his family was incredibly homophobic. Mm-hmm. He's like, when I get down to who I really am, mom, dad, because of you guys, or because of the way that I was not accepted, I had to kill this part of me. Right. Wow. Yeah. I think you were right. I mean, you said that about like not being able to, to, um, be who you are and be accepted. Mm -hmm. It's what I think is hard is like, you were saying like how it's hard for us to, we'll be talking about just any song and there's issues are always at the core of it. And it's, it's, what's really messed up is the song was written in 1975 and we're now in 2022 and it's almost like this song, it, it still like makes sense to this day. Like we're reverting so much backwards that I'm like, you know, our children are going to be, are our children going to be, you know, speaking out like this and like feeling like they have to hide behind something and they can't be them, their true selves because the laws are going to change and it's going to reflect bad. And, you know, it's, it's sad that this song was written in 75 and it, I, it, it rings true now, kind of. Absolutely. You know, that's like those memes that say, you know, you people are saying, I can't believe I have to fight for the things that my grandparents won. Like, right. And, and this really is one generation. So again, I'm 50 and Roe v. Wade passed in 1973, I think. I was born in 72. So literally from the time I was born, abortion was legal. And about what is it, 10, 12 years ago that gay marriage, the Supreme Court decided on gay marriage, 10 years ago, maybe. It's shocking that we we got 50 years of one right. We only potentially might have 10 years of this other right. Mm -hmm. And by the time our children are our age, they are potentially gonna feel like Freddie Mercury did in 1975. Mm -hmm. What the actual fuck? What the actual fuck, you guys? It's not okay. It's not okay at all. I mean, it's frightening. It's terrifying. It's scary. It's frightening. I had to have a conversation with my 11 year old daughter, you know, like, and it's scary. I mean, it's like, I I'm just, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm typically an optimistic person. I find that I can be pretty optimistic and I'm still optimistic. You know, there's all, there's still things to be really excited for and look forward to, but it's really scary to think that, you know, things that we're really proud of and things that we're really happy to be a part of and to be things that kind of make us who we are and make us, you know, make us tick are going to be taken away from us. You know, it's not a, it's more than just, it's more than just, you know, abortion. It's, it goes way beyond that, way beyond that. And I'm fearful for our children and our children's children. And same, totally. I, And it doesn't help that like, there's regulations that are like the regulations on my, the regulations that they're putting on my body, your body, women's bodies are, are, are stricter than there are on a a psychopath going to buy a gun and shooting up a 4th of July parade. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. If only I could turn my vagina into a gun, I might have some more rights. 
Exactly. If I, if my vagina could shoot bullets and kill people, then maybe they would care more about it. But no, all it does is bleed and produce babies. So, so worthless. I mean, so worthless. All of us. What are we even here for? Well, I'm glad we had that talk. I want our melomaniacs to know that we are who we are and these are our feelings. And I actually, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to change my mind on this one. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. The line is pretty straight. It's not very crooked. So let me just say a couple other things and make it a little more lighthearted before we finish up here. Just to, just to dial this in, another music scholar named Sheila Whiteley said that this was a turning point in Freddie Mercury's life. He had been with Mary Austin for seven years at that point, but had just embarked on his first um, relationship with a man around the time that he wrote this. She believes that the song provides insight into Mercury's emotional state at the time. And she thinks that mama means Mary as in the Virgin Mary. Mm. Um, and wanting to break away, mama, just let me go. Like, let me, let me be without the grips of religion. So others suggested oh. is a veiled reference to coming out and dealing with the percussions of sodomy laws at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's kind of a reach, I think. But let us for a moment talk about some of the very unique words in this song. Okay. Now. Yes, please. Thank you. Here we go. Okay. 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 We have Scaramooch. <laughs> Scaramooch is somebody that is mentioned in this song a few times. Scaramooch, Scaramooch. And this is a clown character of the 16th century in Italian literature. Oh, okay, Freddie Mercury, you gosh darn genius. Okay. That's who Scaramooch is. So Italian literature clown. Okay. 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 All righty. He mentions Galileo, and I think we are more familiar with Galileo. He uh, was a 16th century astronomer and the father of, some would say the, the father of modern science. Uh, mm -hmm. The Indigo Girls also wrote a song called Galileo, and all my uh, queer listeners out there will maybe, there's, there might be some people out there who said, I've never heard of Galileo until the Indigo Girls did that song. I feel you. I, you are my people. <laughs> you are my people. Um, one have, of, I'm one of your people. Are uh -huh. you one of those people? Uh-huh. <laughs> now there is Figaro. And I feel like we have heard Figaro. Why do we all, why have we all heard of Figaro? Figaro is the main character in the Barber of Seville. Now I've never seen the Barber of Seville, but I know what Figaro is. I wonder why I know that. Oh, I have no idea. Do you know Figaro before this song? Figaro? I don't know. I don't think so. No, huh? -uh. I feel like it was in like a Walt Disney something. I don't know. Yeah. Now, Beelzebub. <laughs> Have you heard of Beelzebub? I've heard Beelzebub, but he says, yeah. he says Beelzebub. Have you, do you know what that is? No, I don't. I have heard that before. It's pretty much Satan. It's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> it is Satan or the Prince of Demons. So he's, oh so Beelzebub have your, has the heavens. Well, we'll go back to it. Okay. Uh, and then he says, Bismillah, which is an, yeah. an Arabic word, which comes from the Quran. And it basically means in the name of God, most gracious, most merciful. Okay. So let's scroll up to the lyrics, shall we? Huh. 
Um, okay, so okay. he is saying, I see a little silhouette of a man. 16th century clown, 16th century clown. Will you do the fandango? <laughs> Caramooch, Caramooch. Okay. Did Christine look up fandango? I, I know this word, but let me make sure I get it right. Is it a dance? Is it a dance? <sighs> is it a dance? It is a dance. It is a Spanish dance. Good job. Woo. Okay, so he <laughs> says, Scaramooch, Scaramooch. Okay, so that's the clown. Clown, clown, will you do the Spanish dance? That's what that means. <laughs> Thunderbolts and lightning. Very, very frightening. Galileo, Galileo. Okay, so astronomer, astronomer. He's just yelling <laughs> that. Okay. And then he says, uh, Figaro. Who did I say Figaro was? Oh, the barber of Seville. Mm -hmm. And then he says, Bismillah. We will not let you go. And Bismillah, did I did I get who Bismillah was? Yes, it's a Arabic word for God, right? Or Arabic word for something? Oh, oh no, it's Bezelbo. Oh no, you're right. Bezelbo. No, Bismillah. Yeah, Bismillah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay. See, I have to scroll up and down because I made. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes. he says, God, yeah, easy come, easy go. Will you let me go? Bismillah. So that's like saying, God, will not let you go. God, okay. So that uh, is okay. clear as uh, milk now, isn't it? We it <laughs> That is as transparent as milk. Glad we, <laughs> or some people say mud. That is clear oh. as mud. Good thing we went through all that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I think of those weird words being in there. I mean, I, this, I know, this song is know. this song is the best. Okay. If I said something bad about this song, I would expect everybody out there to break up with me. Right. Did you just shush me? No, no. I was going to, I was kind of, no, of course not. No, 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 oh. no. Julie just put her no. finger up against her mouth in the motion of a shush. Um, there's no way I, I could know. say anything bad about this song. However, I do want to say, why are you throwing in all those words? It's the bit of nonsense in the middle. Yeah, it does. It's this nonsense, which it makes sense because that's, I think it ties back into what that person was saying about it, how it being like a, an opera because operas, you typically don't understand what's happening in a rap opera. It's like nonsense. Is it just nonsense? Cause we don't speak the language of whatever they're singing. Also, have or, I ever been to an yeah. opera? Have you? No, definitely not. Never been to an opera. Uh -uh. I don't, I mean, I, I mean, even when I lived in, I don't know where I would go to an opera. Would they have an opera here in our little square state? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I know we're in, oh, that's the other thing we might not have said to our melomaniacs. We're in Missouri. Okay. So there's probably well, one opera. Uh, no, I've never been to an opera. You've never been to an opera. I assume I would have no idea what's going on. But I have seen Phantom of the Opera. I don't think that matters. Nope. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything? So the Phantom of the Opera was a ghost of the Opera House. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, and he was in love with somebody that was in the. I don't. I was never he in love understood with an opera singer. I think yeah, but there was never really any opera. The songs were like. What's the most famous song from Phantom of the Opera? What's that song? Um, there's that one. It's some lovey song. I think you might be thinking of cats. I might the be song thinking from cats. cats. I don't fucking know. Um, I don't know. Memory. If you've ever... Yeah, memories. 
that's cats right that's cats yeah so okay we've never been to an opera y'all we've seen phantom of the opera or julie has and we still don't really know what the fuck that means so freddie mercury r.i.p dude like you you are i, I i'm stuttering okay <laughs> all i can do is stutter at how fucking talented he is and super smart and putting in all these words we don't understand, but we still love him for it. We still love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, we're fine with it. You can use whatever word you want, as long as it you know sounds cool in the song, because 99% of most of the songs that I really enjoy, I don't really know what half of the time they're saying until I research it for the podcast. And then I'm like, oh, ding, ding. Oh, that's a good ending. I want to end it there. 